0: What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Co-Op Couch. My name is Anthony, and I am here today without Alec. Yep, doing this one on my own. Uh, Because today I'm going to talk to you guys about Final Fantasy 16. I finally beat it. Yep. Took me a while. Uh, I actually beat it a few weeks ago, but um, we had a couple other episodes already lined up, and... Potential that I was going to have someone with me on this episode and and a bunch of different things. So I'm just now getting to it. I apologize for the wait. I know the game's already been out for over a month, and honestly, I'm embarrassed it took me that long to beat it, but I did. So here we are. Um, Just a warning for anyone listening that plans on playing the game or is in the middle of playing it or whatever this is going to be a spoiler heavy episode i will be referencing things uh in the game as well as the ending and if it's not something you want to hear then come back when you're done with it that will be your only warning sorry guys it is what it is gotta discuss overall i loved it uh i thought it was fantastic um one of the best video games i've ever played uh I think, one of the best Final Fantasies. Now, slow down before I get any kind of backlash or hate from the diehard fans that were already pissed off before this game came out. Let me just address a few things, okay? I do think this was a phenomenal game. I do think it was one of the best games. It felt really good to me, and no matter what I say to each their own, right? Um, But... I do also acknowledge that this game is missing a lot of nuance from previous games that um, might give it that Final Fantasy character that everyone was looking for and everyone's used to, if that makes sense. Um, And I'll go down my list. I'll give you examples. But overall, I just want to say that I I did really enjoy it. Uh, I'm a little bit guilty. At the beginning of my playthrough, I was so sucked in by the hype um and excitement you know i had been waiting for it for so long you guys already know i did my my marathon and i've you know played 24 other final fantasy games so obviously playing this meant a lot to me and i was um trying not to be uh so expecting that i set the bar too high for myself and was disappointed and i was not in any way shape or form Disappointed. I I really did enjoy it, but I can see the differences, and I can not see why people maybe didn't feel that way. um But as I played through the game, you know, in my first few hours of playing the game, I I was just in awe. You know, oh, this is this is the best Final Fantasy ever, and and I even said in my playthrough, you know, I, I, I'm gonna wait until I get to the ending. I want to see the ending. I want to see if it's satisfying before i hands down say this is the best final fantasy ever and the more i played the further i got in the story the less i liked it and that's that's not to say i went from like pure awe and love to oh my god what was i thinking this game was terrible again i loved it um but i did start to see through the cracks a little bit and once the the you know veil of all the hype was gone i i could kind of nitpick at it um more aggressively i guess is the word i'm looking for um not that i wanted to find bad things about it right but um just to see past the the idea of perfection it, it just was not perfection and so when i beat my marathon i did a tier list and if i was to put this on my tier list it'd definitely be up in a uh but it is certainly no s tier it is not perfect it is not without fault it is not without flaw and uh that being said let me give you some examples that nuance i'm talking about um One thing that I never even considered in my playthrough that someone brought up and what I think was probably one of the funniest ways I've seen or read is um, there's no status ailments in this game. And this guy brings up this point and he goes, you know, as a Final Fantasy fan, I never thought I would complain about the lack of status ailments. And I read that and I went, oh, shit. That's a good point on on both ends. It is missing it, didn't realize it, and yeah, never thought I'd I'd miss them. But it's such a big layer to Final Fantasy games, and that layer is missing. You know, there there is no confusion, there is no poison, there is no uh, silence. Um honestly, the system for magic in this game is so different that I don't even know if you c- could implement silence if there were other status elements because It just becomes another move in your arsenal, another combo that you pull off with the way the the combat system works in this game. For anyone that's not familiar, it's a lot like Devil May Cry. Um, It's very, very heavy action RPG. A lot of moves tie into each other. You're trying to chain combos together. And so a lot of that is, you know, loose air quotes here, magic. But you're not really channeling or casting spells. It just happens, right? You have the power of, of the icons with you and... Things just happen. So yeah, there's there's no silence. There's no uh, darkness. You're not missing auto attacks uh, or, or, excuse me, blind, right? Um, and yeah, you really don't think that that would be something that you would miss or be upset about. But that layer is such a big deal that you, once it's pointed out to you that it's not there, it feels weird. It feels different. Um, The example he used is um, one of the first boss fights that you have in the game is a a Morble, which I'm sure anyone that's ever played a Final Fantasy knows what I'm talking about, but if you never have, uh, we've talked before, me and co, about how certain things in Final Fantasies are recurring. There is an enemy that is recurring throughout multiple Final Fantasy games, um, and it's this big ball of tentacles basically with a giant fucking mouth and they have a move known as bad breath and if you get hit by bad breath it inflicts almost every status ailment under the sun in every final fantasy ever in this game it hits you and it just does a shitload of damage no status ailments so you get back up you potion you smack the hell out of it Therefore, arguably the easiest mortal fight you'll find in any Final Fantasy. And so, with that layer missing, um, I think there's other things that kind of amplify the fact that that layer is missing. Uh, for example, one of the qualms I had with this game was, there is almost no reason to spend kill. At all. I think by the time I beat my game, I had like 420 approximately more thousand gil. And that's not from farming. As a matter of fact, I did almost no farming. I ran from most fights because I didn't need them. Um. Throughout different points in the game, you can buy music for like 40,000 gil. And I never bought the songs because I thought in my head, you know, what if at some point I need this skill for something throughout my whole playthrough? It was almost like the um, the elixir thing, right? We all joke about if you played a Final Fantasy, elixirs are the best healing items in the game. They also, you know, it's like a full restore and full MP. Um, and you only get like 10 throughout any playthrough. So you hang on to them until the final boss. You don't want to get rid of them just in case you need them, but then you never use them. You beat the game, you're still sitting on those elixirs, right? It was kind of the same thing where I didn't want to spend my gill just in case I needed it, but then I didn't need it, and I beat the game, and I had all this gill piled up. And that takes me to the inventory system. The reason I didn't have to spend any gill is because they put a crafting system in this game. And the crafting system is not only so easy to use, but so easy to get those materials that you're never going to buy armor or weapons that's better than what you just crafted. Never. It, it did not happen to me. And so if I'm not spending money on weapons and armor at upgrade, you know, checkpoints throughout the game, what am I spending my gill on? You might be thinking, well, Anthony, what about your potions? Well, what about them? The inventory system is different. So if I go back and I play Final Fantasy X tonight, you've got potions, high potions, X potions, mega potions, antidotes, softs, you know, so on and so forth. And you've got all these Phoenix Downs, all these items. And you can buy up to 99 in a stack. This game doesn't have that. You have potions and high potions, they are given to you in a numbered quantity on your you know, your D-pad for usage uh, with a max limit. The base limit was like I want to say it was like f- three, no, I'm backwards. I think it was like eight regular potions and seven or eight regular potions and four high potions or maybe it was like six potions and four high potions. And then as you go through and you do side quests, you increase that capacity. And then it was whatever it was like eight or nine, maybe 10. And then like seven high potions, whatever the number was, I don't, I don't remember. But the point is you increase it through doing side quests. And then, yeah, I would replenish those, but you're talking a couple hundred Gil on what ended up being 400,000. At the end of the day, I was not using Gil. Um, and that does tie into the status ailment thing, because think about it. If there's no poison, why would you buy antidotes? It's not in the game. If there's no blind, there's no eye drops. And so on and so forth. So uh, it is a huge missing element. And 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 if you want to go even a step further, you're missing that element in spells as well. Because again, there's not really spells anyway. But there's no shell. There's no protect. There's no um, you know cure. And then there's no levels of spells. So if you equip Ifrit or Phoenix, and you press triangle, you throw a little fireball, but it's not really a fire cast, because then there's no Fira or Faraga. So on and so forth, right? Um, so a lot of those elements are missing. And then, speaking of elements, there's no elemental weaknesses. And so one of the weirdest feelings in this game is going up to a bomb enemy and casting fire on it. That doesn't work in other Final Fantasies. I think the only thing that comes to my mind where fire doesn't heal the bomb is in Strangers of Paradise, you can cast fire at a bomb and it it basically overcharges it, right? Where like you cast fire at a bomb and it grows big like they usually do and then forces a self-destruct. Um. But still, you're not technically dealing damage to it. So it's very weird in this game to run up to a bomb with the powers of Phoenix or Ifrit, hit this bomb with fire and deal damage, and keep comboing it with fire moves until it was dead. It's just unusual for a Final Fantasy. These might not be a big deal to most people. In fact, it wasn't a big enough deal to me to ruin my experience, but like I said, it gets pointed out to you. You start to think about it. You start to weigh those thoughts, and, and it definitely does take away from the feeling of a Final Fantasy. One thing I have said a hundred times over, and I joke because I, I always say, I've said this a million times, and then I've said my explanation a million times, and I could keep chaining that together. I always run through this explanation, but I always say Final Fantasy fifteen was a phenomenal video game, not a phenomenal Final Fantasy and I think 16 is just like right on the edge of saying the same thing because of these reasons. I could see why diehard fans would be upset with this game or, or not enjoy it all that much. Because if it is missing all of the things that we know and love, all of the small nuance, at what point does that line get drawn for you personally that it's not a Final Fantasy anymore? It doesn't feel like it anymore. It's nothing but a title, right? Um, and so obviously that experience is gonna be different for everybody. but again, I can understand where the haters are coming from, even if I don't agree, and even if I think some of them are incredibly rude and toxic about it, I can understand it um it is missing a lot of the things that that we know and love and um and again, I'm you know I'm never gonna be mad if you make my game a turn based ever so Uh, Do I think the combat was enough to call it a bad game? Absolutely not. But that's just another thing to add on to a list of why they might be stressing that it's not a good game. So it is what it is. But um, another thing that I noticed was missing from this game uh, that, again, was actually not something I noticed initially but was pointed out to me um, probably about halfway through my playthrough so i i had plenty of time left to be skeptical and prove the point wrong and unfortunately uh they were correct and i was disappointed by the end of the game is enemy variety this game does not have a lot of it um it's weird that the game is as open as it is and and when i say open i don't mean uh Skyrim, right? Like this is this is not an open world game. It's it's not Tears of the Kingdom. Um I have had an argument with a couple of people that um you know, some people have called this game linear. I don't agree. I do think people have a different uh, after having the argument with them, I think I've kind of come to the conclusion that everyone just has a different definition of what linear means. But to me, this game is not linear. I can, at any point in this game, open my mini map, travel to any point that I have unlocked, walk any point of that map, and fight things for as long as I want. I can farm you know, points to unlock new moves. I can farm gill, which, again, I don't think you would ever need to do, but it is there. Uh, and you can farm experience to level up. And to me, that is not linear. Linear is when the game forces you in one direction. Um, even Final Fantasy 7 Remake, which god bless the game, I love it. But that game literally had not even invisible walls, but walls that you would walk up to, and it would have an error on it that said, You know, the game's telling you, you cannot go this way. And I remember playing through 7 Remake and being like, Dude, I like. I see this room on the map, let me just go in there. What if there's a chest? Like I want this thing. Why can't I go in there? It would drive me nuts. That's linear. That is the game putting a, a, a limitation on where you can and cannot go because it wants to drive you in a specific direction. This is not that. But even with the ability to go everywhere, whenever I want, on this huge map, there's only so many enemies. And I can't give you guys an exact number, I wasn't counting, but at the end of the day, it, it is not enough to make you question it. It is, without a doubt, not a huge variety, at the end of the day. um, I I would... Be so bold as to say, if you were to sit there and count, you probably encounter more enemy types in Final Fantasy X up to Kilika than you do in this entire game. That's just... I don't know why that was a choice they made. Maybe it's because certain enemies fit certain environments better in their design plan I, I i don't i don't know i'm reaching um but yeah it's only so many you know and um it didn't bother me until i realized that that variant limitation affected bigger fights right if we're talking trash mobs i could go through the entire game and fight some basic vanilla you know um z- um they had like the Fallen, which were basically like the zombies, right? Go through and... Or the Akashic, excuse me. If I had to fight that for the entire game and goblins for the entire game and a trash mob, dope. Don't care. It fit. Honestly. But what bothered me is when you get to the bigger fights and it's the same thing over and over, right? Like I would go and I would do, uh, you know... You play through the story and you get that that dragon fight that was like the ice dragon and, and when you get to the first crystal. And then you go and you, you're like, if you're like me, you want to be a completionist. I tried to do everything. I did every single hunt on the hunt board. It's like two of the hunts were that same fucking dragon. A couple of them had different moves. But the model's the same. Man, maybe the color's different. One's blue, one's red. But ultimately, it's the same fight. And and that's where the lack of variety kind of bothered me a little bit. I wish we had more things to fight, you know? Those are really the only things that I could nitpick at, guys. Um, and the reason that I wanted to list all of the negatives is so that I could amplify the positives. At the end of the day, I thought that the character quality was fantastic. I think that all of the characters I I remember saying multiple times through my playthrough that I don't think there's a single character I don't like. And what I mean by that is the the mother, Clive and Joshua's mother who was the you know, the Duchess betrayed the kingdom and that's pretty much where all of the plot lies. Um I don't know if I've despised a character not like oh how do I put this? I hated her. I despised her. I mean just through the whole playthrough all I wanted to do was kill her. And and she was such a bitch. <laughs> and you just want her to die, right? But but on on a level of character quality outside of the game that is a good character i like the character but not who her character was if that makes sense because at the end of the day a well-written villain you're not supposed to love them that's the whole point right some people are so bad you, you like you love to hate them right like everybody everybody Loves Sephiroth and Kefka. Everyone that loves Sephiroth loves him because he's super cool. And, you know, like a lot of the girls I know are like, ooh, daddy Sephiroth because he's hot. And, like, whatever your reason is. And then you look at Kefka, and everyone I've met that thinks Kefka's the greatest Final Fantasy villain ever loves him because a lot of the bad guys in Final Fantasy games. Have these reasons that are are like super deep and and in some ways super stupid. And Kefka's literally like, nah, just like take over the world. Ha 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 ha, crazy clown laugh. And you're not supposed to like the villain. There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't mean they're written bad, right? Like, do I think Kefka and Sephiroth are bad characters because we like them? No, not at all. That's not what I'm getting at. But what I'm saying is the utter hatred that you have for this chick in the same way that we all hated Seymour because we had to fight him four fucking times is still a good character, right? So when I say that there's no character that I didn't like, I mean as written, right? There's there's no character that I was like, oh my god, this this character just sucks. I wasn't a huge fan of the Vivian character, uh which for anyone that doesn't know or doesn't remember uh, she's, she's like the person you go to for answers, right? She's like a scholar. She's like a book, not the bookkeeper. Cause there is actually another NPC for that too. His name is Harpocrates or Tomes was his nickname for that reason. But, but she's the go-to for, um, worldly events rather. Right. The reason I didn't like her is because you're playing through the game. There's a couple different time jumps in this game. And in the in the last time jump, you skip ahead five years. You're in the new hideout, and she's just kind of there. Like you don't know where she, they just kind of dump her on you, right? Like if you talk to her enough, you can figure out her past. You can figure out where she came from if you care enough to. I didn't, but they just dump her on you. Ah, oh, here's this chick. You go to her for every answer you need, and she knows everything. And then. I also didn't like the way she explains it to you. Cause the way she explains it to you is like all the shit you already know. Like she speaks like she's super intelligent, but she doesn't actually teach you anything, which is the whole point of going to her. Um. So yeah, if I like, if I had to pick a character that I thought sucked, it would be her, but it wasn't such a terrible character that I, you know, was hating life. Every time I had to go talk to her, I think the characters were great beyond the main characters, you know, uh, Clive was, a uh, your stereotypical broody, angsty, edgy main protag in a Final Fantasy, but not in a way that made me want to punch him in the face and call him a bitch. <laughs> like a lot of people compared him to, uh, Squall and I will leave my Final Fantasy hate, uh, my Final Fantasy eight hatred out of this argument, but even speaking unbiased. If you compare the characters, I don't think they're anything alike. Squall was like an angsty teenager, and 90% of his dialogue was inner monologue. He he didn't speak outward. He didn't want to speak outward. He wasn't open. And that was kind of the whole thing about his supporting characters. They were trying to be his friend. He He was not really receptive. They were trying to get him to talk. He was not really receptive. And then he kind of opens up at the end of the game, When he realizes he has to be a leader. Clive. Isn't shut out from everyone. There are some ways where he wants to do everything alone. But he's doing it out of concern for everyone. And given the past and all the people he's already lost. Kind of makes sense. Jill is a phenomenal character. I love Jill. But the one thing that made me think Jill wasn't such a vanilla character, uh, which is why I'm so glad they put this part in the game because I really think her character needed it. Um, A lot of people are saying that Jill didn't get as much uh, oomph as she could have, right? I heard a debate that it's not that people didn't like Jill but they they thought that she was kind of just there. She didn't do anything. I heavily disagree. It could be up for debate, but I think the one thing that shuts that down more than anything is the part in the game where you're going after one of the crystals and Jill needs you to be there for her because she's been there for you for a lot of things in regards to closure, and there's one thing that she wants closure on. And it's when she was basically captive as she was dominant in all the years that you weren't with her, uh, there's this big bad dude doing a ritual, and you fucking run up on him, and Shiva, Shiva, well, same thing, Jill, says what she needs to say, calls him a monster, and with no hesitation, just impales the dude. She needed her closure, and she got her closure, and... I think the voice actress does such a phenomenal job of speaking through this seething emotion that I think it was very well done and it made me very happy with the character because Jill is strong. She's she's not she's not lame, she's not in the background, she's not a quivering little baby. Right? She's not crying every chance she gets. She stands up. She fights with you. She talks as much shit as you do. She's aggressive. And she hits on every emotion throughout the game. She hits on fear. She hits on sadness. She hits on happiness. She hits on that rage that you really don't see from a lot of supporting characters, in my opinion. Um obviously everybody loves Torgle, right? We all said if anything happened to that dog, heads would roll. Thank God it didn't. I love Torgle and I love what they did with his connection to Fenrir. They let my dog go Super Saiyan, bro. How do we not love that? If you guys have not played this game, and you're listening to this podcast, regardless of spoilers, I encourage you to go look that scene up, because it was fucking sick. Torgle basically primes, like you do, into the icons. And just, yeah, go Super Saiyan. Fucking big-ass lightning dog. It was dope. Loved it. Gav, one of the best supporting characters in, I think, any Final Fantasy. Talk about loyal to a fault. And I think what's funny, too, is speaking of Torgol, when you get to the end of the game and everyone's sad, like, all the sad people, like, it got to me. Don't get me wrong. I thought it was a great ending, and it was emotional. But I didn't get fucked up until Torgal held at the moon. Oh, that killed me, dude. So uh, at the very end of this game, so this, this is how the game ends. I guess I will give you guys one more spoiler warning. If you've made it this far and you're not bothered by what you heard, that's great. But I am going to elaborate on the ending of this game. Turn back now if you don't want to hear it. But So you get to the end of the game uh Clive and Joshua they fight together and you kill Ultima. Okay? Now Joshua does die. And Clive then finishes the job and you finish off Ultima, right? Typical final fantasy fight and bring down a god. Cool. As Joshua's dying, he gives Clive his blessing of the phoenix. Now, throughout the whole game, that's kind of how you have the combat that you have, right? You channel all the powers of the icons, but you're getting them from the people that had them before you. Um, and the only one that you don't get is the phoenix because Joshua insists that you're not doing this alone, right? He's going with you. Well, as he's dying, he realizes that Clive needs this power, so he gives it to him, and then he dies. He's got a fat hole in his chest, because Ultima just absolutely punctures straight through him, right? So when Clive fights Ultima and kills him, whatever, he basically gets Ultima's power absorbed in the same way, and tries to revive Joshua with basically God's power, right? So he's, he's got a little bit of Phoenix in him and also this, and you can see him basically mend Joshua's flesh completely. I mean, it's like he was never hurt, but then Joshua never wakes up. There's a lot of discussion on this right now. And the reason why is because when you're doing that, the monologue before the fight, Ultima basically describes the spell rays and talks about his use of that spell on his kin to get to that point and, and bring people back and whatever. So a lot of the speculation is he, you know, Clive is using this power, uses it on Joshua. Joshua doesn't wake up. And then Clive fucking detonates this, you know, Raised whatever you want to call it i I don't even know they it's it's basically cocoon from thirteen if anyone played thirteen right it's this this a raised stone that Ultima had his fortress in the sky, and Clive detonates it, and you are then supposed to believe that Clive is dead and Joshua is dead. Neither of them make it back, right? So you're watching this end scene, and everyone's waiting for Clive to come back. Clive does not come back. There's a lot of realization, a lot of crying. I think the realization hits Jill when there's, you know, you have the moon, and then you have a little red moon, red star next to it, and that star burns out because Ultima's gone, and all the crystals are gone. Um, And... When Jill sees that, I think she kind of realizes Clive's not coming back, right? So she cries, Gav cries. It definitely hits you in the feels, but I did not get fucked up until Torgle started howling. And then I, like, I cried on stream. That hit me. I don't know what it is about that damn dog that was so much sadder than everyone else, but man, that hit. So anyway, you get past the sad scene and all of a sudden, washed up on a beach, is Clive. And he's alive. But we learn throughout the game that for all of the people that are using magic too much, they start to, uh, you know, there's, there's a curse, a plague, whatever you want to call it, that they turn to stone. And you can see his hand is basically already petrified. And then he kind of passes out on the beach. And that's basically the end. So you are left to believe that Clive is dead or is going to die. But you don't see it. So he very well could be alive, right? Which brings me to my final point. We gotta talk about this. The scene after the credits. Let me just outright say I did not like this. I did not like it at all. There is a scene after the credits. I was very content with how this game ended. I was very content with the the open to interpretation ending of is Clive dead or not? Joshua's dead. Clive tried to raise him. He didn't come back, and then he fucking blew up the place they were in, right? He's dead, okay? Now, Clive, you can speculate. I'm cool with that. Let the fans speculate. Let them, let them argue. In, in that case, I'm okay with it, okay? But you get this scene after the cutscene. Uh, scene after the cutscene. You get this scene after the credits, and basically, there are two little boys playing, and the mother calls the older brother in and says, "You know, help me start this fire for dinner." And he's striking flint at this fire, and it's it's not lighting. And he says something along the lines of like, "I wish, I wish I was an icon of fire, or I wish I had the power of the icon of fire, something like that," right? And the mom basically scoffs at him and says, Oh, you've been you've been reading that story again. You've been reading too much. Icons, magic, blah 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 blah. She she tells him it's all fairy tales. It's only in your books. It doesn't exist. And now you're going, Oh shit. What? And so he goes out and he plays with his brother and they're pretending to be the characters that you just played or the entities that you just played, the icons. And as the scene is ending, you see the book that the mom was referring to, the book that the kid was reading, and it's Final Fantasy, written by Joshua Rossfield. Now, at its very, very, you know, simplistic idea. There are two ways you could interpret this, right? The first way, which is not the way that I believe at all. Trust me. I I don't think this was their intent. I don't think this is what you were supposed to believe, but it can be interpreted this way is the whole thing was a dream. It didn't happen. It was just a story. I think that is a horrible fucking ending, which is also why I Part of why I believe that's not the intent. They wouldn't have you play through this entire game and be like, ha ha ha, just kidding. It was dreamt up. Right. The other implication is that Clive is still alive and he wrote that book under an alias as a dedication to Joshua. It recounted their memories. And the reason that magic doesn't exist anymore is because that was their goal. They destroyed all of the crystals so that, you know, magic was basically draining the planet. It was it was killing it, and they could be self sufficient without this magic, right? It's not that magic was bad; it's just that they were abusing it the wrong way. Whatever, whatever, whatever. So the the point is, now you're so far into the future that it is nothing but history, but it's so far fetched so hard to believe that people think it's just a fairy tale, right? That's the way you're supposed to perceive this. Now, here's what blows me away, guys. When I played it, I beat it on stream. I saw this after credits scene. I didn't know how to feel. I didn't. I had a, I had a discussion with people in chat about what it could mean, what it was supposed to mean, what we're supposed to believe. And I, I, I didn't know. I really, really, really didn't know. And... As it processed, in the moment, I started leaning towards, uh, I don't like it. I don't like it," because i I don't like leaving an entire game like that open to that level of open interpretation. i i, I don't I don't like it. And one thing that someone in my chat said that I heavily agree with is, you don't want to leave that much interpretation open to the community when your community is already incredibly toxic towards each other when it comes to disagreements. Look, I love Final Fantasy, but I'll be the first to tell you that Final Fantasy fans are assholes. This community sucks. People are not great when it comes to disagreeing on on different ideas in the Final Fantasy world. Don't even get me started on Final Fantasy 7 shipping. Gross. But the point is, we felt, we being me and the person I was talking to, felt like it would have been better to just give a finalized answer. Or at least if you're going to leave it open to interpretation, leave it at something simplistic like what it was before the credits, right? Well, Clive could be dead or he could be alive. But we knew where we were in the world. Ultima was dead. People were moving on. It was good done. But now that I've had time to sit on it, I don't dislike it actually. And I stumbled upon a Reddit discussion that I thought was incredibly uh, interesting where people were speculating uh, who wrote this book, right? It's named Joshua, but Joshua's dead. We saw him not only die Clive attempted to raise him. He did not wake up. Why didn't it work? We don't know. Phoenix can mend the body but not the soul. A lot of discussion points. But this Reddit is very interesting to me because a lot of people are pitching multiple ideas that had not even crossed my mind. I thought it was pretty straightforward and simple. This is crazy to me. So the first argument in this thread is what was told to me when I beat it on stream. And that is that Clive wrote the book because one of the final side quests you do with Harpocrates or Tomes by nickname, uh, he gives you a quill, a special quill, and he tells you to write your journey down, keep track of it, journal it, right? Um, maybe even hints at creating another alias. And Clive has already picked up an alias in that when Sid died, Clive became the new Sid to maintain that name. His name's not Sid but he took it on as a title instead of a name, right? So a lot of people think, well, Clive could have done this in dedication to Joshua, right? Write the name under that alias so that, you know, one way or another, the story lives on. A lot of the ideas were uh, Joshua's. Joshua was also journaling as he was traveling. Yote was the one writing it down for him. There's a debate on here about, you know, one person will say, well, obviously was dead. He didn't wake up. Rays didn't work. Phoenix can't revive the dead. And, well, oh, but Ultima's a god. And he talked about Rays right before the fight. Yeah, but we saw him use it. It didn't work. It's crazy. It's crazy to read all of these opinions because I could see it going any which way. I really could. Every single argument makes sense. The argument that Clive wrote it is backed by the fact that Hippocrates gave him the quill and told him to write everything, and he was in pretty much every scenario from start to finish of the game. Obviously, as a game, he's the main character. You play him for 95% of the game. But then someone brings up this argument about Joshua. He is the phoenix, and Ultima's power raised him. We didn't see him wake up in that moment, But there really is nothing saying that he couldn't have survived that. So maybe he is alive. Maybe he did write the book. People that were saying, well, he wasn't there for most of the game, that's true. But if you want to use that argument, someone brought up the point, well, at the beginning of the game, when you had the attack on Phoenix Gate, you play as Joshua. And when you fight Ifrit, you play as Phoenix so it could be written from Joshua's standpoint. Now, one thing I haven't seen anyone say is that it could be a compilation of everyone's writings. No one for some reason, no one has argued that it could just be that Clive was writing, Joshua was writing or and or had Yote writing for him and it was just the compiled ideas, which still doesn't tell you who the author of this book is, but one way or another there is an argument to be made for Clive, Joshua and Yote writing this book. I think Yote's probably the weakest argument, just because there's a lot that she was not there for. Um, but she was the one already journaling, and Joshua is going to dictate all those ideas to her. And again, there's no reason at any point in this game for us to believe that Clive didn't relay those ideas to her. Especially if Clive is alive after that beach scene, and has her write it because his hand is stoned. That's not on the Reddit. That's my thought process. All I'm saying is it could be multiple efforts. It could be a compilation effort. It could be it could be one person. It could be any of these three people. I don't know. I don't know. I think the one that makes the most sense to me is that Clive is not dead and he wrote the book. That is the one that makes the most sense to me for many different reasons. Um... But it is a very, very open-ended scene to close with, and, and I still don't know if I'm a huge fan of it, but the amount of discussion being had, healthy discussion, mind you, is growing on me. So if you guys are curious, I definitely encourage you to look into the discussion look into the idea of how this game ended and if you haven't played the game guys i highly encourage you to do that too because overall i really did love this game i thought it was fantastic i i do think it was a little bit on the easier side um and obviously that's not including a new game plus that has a harder a much harder difficulty i haven't touched that yet but I have heard from a lot of people that it's just as easy on that mode, and I could believe it, considering in the game I never lost all my potions and I never spent gil. So, grain of salt, take it for uh, take it for what it's worth. Um, but I I definitely would highly recommend this game to other people. I do think it was one of the best video games I've ever played. I do think it was a really top tier Final Fantasy, even if it was missing that nuance. Um by the time I beat the game, I I would not tell you this was my favorite Final Fantasy, but it's definitely up there. Easy top 5, if not top 3, for sure. Great game. Um that being said, guys, if you have played it, reach out to me, let me know what you think. I I you know, I love talking about Final Fantasy. I could do it all day. I love hearing other people's thought processes and ideas uh especially in regards to this ending. If you have any other theory that is not part of that who wrote the book concept, Spit it at me! Oh, I'd love to hear it. There's nothing too stupid when it comes to open interpretation. I I, I want to know. One last thing before I end and do this outro, guys. I do want to just let you know that we did officially hit 2,000 downloads. We've now passed 2,000 downloads. Actually, we hit it uh, last week, about right on the uh, right on the last episode. Matter of fact. Um, it is a a big milestone for us i i think i put a tweet out about it but still i really want to thank you guys uh if you are a a regular listener uh hell even if you're new you know it it really does mean a lot to us even if we can't tell you in every episode um this is something that we really love to do and obviously we can't do it if we don't have listeners so um thank you guys again for caring enough to to use your time listening to us and keeping up with us and letting us know what you think. Uh, And if you have not yet, let us know what you think. Please do. coopcouch.simplecast.com It's the website. You guys can listen to every episode on that website as well as find us on other listening platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and so on. Uh, In the upper right-hand corner, you can find a link to both mine and Alec's Twitter, as well as my Twitch uh, and our Facebook. Now, I will say this, guys. um, I'm slowing down on Twitch. I'm taking a break for personal reasons. Alec already has been done with Twitch. So, that link is still there. I haven't given up on it yet, but uh, I probably won't be live anytime soon. To have a conversation with you guys so if you do want to hit me up on twitter to let me know what you think absolutely please do i would love to hear it and if you guys listen on a platform where a review can be left please do that for us because it helps us immensely that being said that's it for me guys till the next one we'll see ya.